1: Hello and welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we have a super cool show lined up for you. Uh, I have known Anne L. Nathan for years, as she's been an MTCA song coach from nearly the very beginning of MTCA. Um, She's simply one of my favorite people in the world and I think a really valuable voice in both the Broadway community and the college prep world. Uh, This is uh, one of our artist exploration series where we look at the college process and see what carried forward into the career of some successful artists today. Uh, Some things Anne and I talked about. We talked about the confidence gleaned from training. Uh, We try to make Anne cry. We'll see if we were successful. Uh, The discipline and structure of the grind. We talked about compartmentalizing and how to have a good day. And we talk about building community. Up next, we have Catherine Moore from Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, Catherine was one of my favorite professors at Carnegie Mellon. She is an amazing spirit and educator, and I think you will really love our chat. Uh, but for now, Broadway's Ann L. Nathan. Wow, okay. Today, I am here with the Anne L. Nathan of Broadway and MTCA fame. Anne has a BFA from the Boston Conservatory, where she is the recipient of the 2013 Distinguished Alumni Award. She's been in so many Broadway shows, including the original Broadway cast of Sing Street, slated to come to Broadway soon. Uh, Once, It Should Have Been You, Thoroughly Modern Millie, Ragtime, which was her Broadway debut. Um, She's also been in the revivals of Sunday in the Park with George and Assassins, as well as numerous off-Broadway shows, national tours, some TV shows like Dirt, Law & Order, What I Like About You, Veronica Mars, and the web series Submissions Only, as well as the films Baby Mama and King of California. Anne is also our very first active MTCA coach on the pod. I know I hear you out there, guys. We're going to do more MTCA coaches, I promise. I know you want your coach, but we've got Anne first. Um, she's one of our most experienced song coaches and Megan's former MTCA song coach, Megan, our producer. <laughs> and how are you doing?
0: I'm good. I can't believe that Megan is here. She was such a good student, you know. <laughs>
1: And still is. <laughs> is. She
0: was really good. Oh,
1: shucks. Okay. So, Anne, um, I'm going to take you back to your pre-college days, if you can remember this. This is uh, um, in good olden times. Um, if you can remember sort of when you started thinking about all of this, if you had been so precocious at 16, 17 years old to kind of have a little bit of a mission statement of what you thought you were looking for as you first looked at colleges, What do you think that was? What do you think you were thinking about?
0: Oh, well, first of all, I will say that I am the person who, from the time I was four, wanted to do it. Like there was not even a question. I was Mm. singing and dancing in my living room, did all the school plays. My parents used to drive me in or I took a bus to go to the neighborhood playhouse for classes during high school on the weekends. Um, So I was really in it. Mm. And so there was not even a question that that's what I was going to do. Uh, My mission statement was I wanted to be with like-minded people. I wanted to be with people who were as passionate as I was and really wanted to do this. I couldn't wait to be, well, at the time, a conservatory because I wanted to do this morning, noon, and night. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I also was kind of an intense kid, so I really wanted – acting was always something that I wanted to do first. I mean, Mm -hmm. I loved the singing and I loved the dancing, of course, but I really was – Smolder, like I just loved Sondheim and I'd audition for high school shows with "There Won't Be Trumpets," which is like a really bizarre choice for a child to sing. <laughs> and um, yeah, so so I was that kid. So I just wanted to go to a program that was going to let me be that the weirdo I was all the time with like-minded weirdos.
1: And to you, the yeah, like-minded meant like super intense, really into theater, really into the craft of acting, that kind of yeah, like-minded weirdo. Really,
0: I was like a, like sitting in my bedroom, trying to get a tear down during the monologue. That was me, for sure. Oh, I love that. Sure. that.
1: was. I mean, I'm thinking of me and Alejandro, my best friend in pre-college in our dorm room, just like coaching our monologues again and again over each other and like, can we get it more intense? Can we get more vulnerable? Can we go, you know, that kind of- Yeah, narrative. for me it
0: was always, when I cry? Can I get, can I get, can I get, wouldn't it be great if I could cry?
1: And the great thing is by the end of this pod, and you will have cried. We're going to make that <laughs> I happen. think
0: I already did cry.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Um, do you remember, you said what you were auditioning for, for high school shows. Do you remember what material you performed for high school ed- and for college editions?
0: Yes, I did. Get ready. Um, give it to us. The Ladies Who Lunch from uh-huh. Company. Cause you Good know, everyone me. should sing a song written for a 50 year old alcoholic
1: woman <laughs> it's
0: really age appropriate that was my big song and my monologue was from the play nuts do you know that play
1: absolutely Which i
0: just yeah. want to tell you because i actually thought about this i played it's when a strong-willed high-class call girl that would be me except 17 hey mm-hmm. is indicted for manslaughter goes on trial so um yeah <laughs> That's what I picked because I wasn't
1: coached. You're giving us range. You're giving us a preview of what would be perfect for you now. I mean, you could be doing Ladies Who Lunch right now and definitely calldale yes. stuff is always in yes, the range.
0: But I did it at 17. Uh,
1: I love it. I love it. Um Do you remember your relationship with your parents at the time? Were they like were they into the idea of you going into the arts? Were they, you know, supportive financially, emotionally?
0: They were very supportive. I think that my dad's an attorney and I'm sure that there were times when he thought I'm sure both of them thought, oh, it's such a hard business. I can't believe she's going to do this. However, the only place I was happy and joyful was doing this. Mm. So I think that that outweighed everything else. They were very supportive. They were financially supportive, which I, to this day, every, every, about twice a year, I, I thank my dad because he did mm. pay for my college. It's and I, just the other day, I said, how did you do that? And he said, well, we took out loans. We just, that, that's something that we had decided. Mm-hmm. My, my dad grew up in, in, with not a lot of money, and they decided that they were going to pay for college no matter what it took. So I was very lucky, very supported. Uh, but like I said, it's because it's the only place that I was so happy, and I thought they thought, well, she's talented, and she's mm-hmm. passionate. I was very passionate about it. There was mm-hmm. not a lazy bone in my body. I did, I, I did this morning and night. I was doing this. Mm-hmm. So I was very lucky. They were very supportive. They would fly up to Boston to see me in my black box production of A mm-hmm. Taste of Honey, <laughs> I mean, all that stuff, it was, um, I'm a very, very lucky person. That's so so cool. even though they had fear, they didn't outwardly show it.
1: That's great. And it seems like they their bet was right. You, you were talented. Look at all that you've done.
0: Sure. But I've had definitely definitely had moments in my life where things were really bad. Mm-hmm. And I came to them and said, I've got to get out. And they were like, great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How can we help you? They were not yeah, like, go out. For this.
0: <laughs> I think they thought, Finally. But um, they they needed to come from me. So definitely I've lived long enough to have had several moments where I was going to quit and they were, you know, understood. It's very hard. It's hard business.
1: Absolutely. I love that. Um, Let's jump you forward a little bit to the college year. So now you're at the Boston Conservatory. Um, Give me like under three words of what that experience was like for you. So if you just sum it up in one to three words.
0: Okay. Um, Bold. Bold. Um, fun, mm-hmm. intense,
1: bold, fun, intense, the Boston conservatory motto. I like it. Um, let's do, we're going to do my favorite part of the show. We're going to do a college flashback round. So this is a game show element of the podcast. You may not have expected there's going to be a game show, but there is. Um, you're going to, we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Oh and I'm going to have you answer as many questions about your college experience as you can within 60 seconds.
0: If I'm really stumped, do I say skip?
1: Skip? No one has tried to skip yet. Skip, <laughs> I think we'll lose you five points, let's say. <laughs> okay. The most we've gotten is 12 so far. 12 is the, the mark to beat. And 12 is very hard. So we'll okay. be happy with anything double digits is good, I think. Okay, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Favorite show you did in school? The club. Something on your dorm room wall that you remember?
0: Peter Frampton poster.
1: Teacher you learned the most from? Fran Charnas. Did you attend a frat or sorority party? Yes. Did you ever cheat on a test? No. Most embarrassing costume worn? The club. The craziest ritual that you did in school?
0: Uh, TC's Bar and Grill.
1: Ever possess a fake ID? Yes. Weirdest acting exercise?
0: Grotowski exercises.
1: The school alumni you wanted to be when you grew up?
0: Damn it. I'm going to say a, a, a Gina Trano, who is in my class, but I'm going to say that.
1: Worst fashion choice.
0: Madonna skirt. Oh, I think Madonna
1: skirt did not count, but we did get to enjoy it. We did get to enjoy the answer itself. Um, Megan, what are we? What number do we think she got? She was so close. She got 11. 11, a valiant 11. Okay, we'll have our, our scorekeepers check that just to see. And there'll be a, a recount if needed. Um but that's great. Let's do a little slower look back um at some college stuff. Okay. What is the biggest thing you think you take away from those years? So what are you so grateful having gone to college for 4 years to have under your belt as a professional?
0: Um being fearless. That's the biggest thing for sure because uh it was a great program. I have to say that we really got into everything. And I think that when I left I I was so f- you know just doing like every accent and every different style of acting and Shakespeare. And um, I just felt like I was, I touched on everything and felt very confident. Even though when I left school, I will say that I absolutely a, a year or two later got back into acting class because that was mm-hmm. the one thing that I felt like I wanted to keep. I, we, we could always use more help with, but I really wanted to strengthen that because no matter how much you try, there's always room, isn't there? Especially if you're in a conservatory where you're also spending your time dancing and
1: singing. It's so true.
0: And also the singing, the dancing, excuse me. We danced a lot every day. So Mm -hmm. I became quite a good mover slash dancer in some areas. Mm -mm. When you do that every single day, it's amazing. I wish I could do that now every day.
1: Mm. Is there anything you feel like you wish you'd done differently in school? Is there something that you go, I wish I'd focused a little more here. I wish I'd paid attention here or done this differently?
0: Um, Not so much because I felt like I really was that student who got everything out of the college experience. I loved it. I would say if there's one thing, um, I took a Shakespeare class with this teacher, Steve McConnell. He was very tough and um, and very great and excellent at what he did. And, I, and he came in when I was a sophomore and I never had him for acting. And I always wanted to have him. I was always sad that I didn't have him for acting because he was a great teacher. Mm. Uh, Cause just having him for that little bit of Shakespeare, I was always like, Oh, I wish I could have had him for more things, but that I couldn't do anything about that. He came in after, you know, midway through my,
1: Time there. That feels like such a description of acting teachers to me. Like, there, we always feel like there's that guru who's got the magic sauce. If I could just get into his class, then I'd learn. Then I'd, yeah. Know. Then it's, I was I always jealous
0: because I always felt like the kids who had him were so cool. Because mm-hmm. he was, he's it. British. And, <laughs> you know, he was that guy that was always like, I don't want to see the emotion. Like, I learned a lot from him given that I only had. Him one like one semester for one for one class. But I was always like, oh, that guy, if I had studied with him, I'd be a, one of the cool actors.
1: <laughs> I totally know <laughs> what you mean. I, I've had that feeling about many different classes going, God I should be in that class. That's so funny. Um, what about all right? How about this? Now, especially with your experience as uh, I'm a coach and having, you know, done not only acted for so many years, but also taught. If you were to go back to your school, especially as it was then and teach a class. What class would that be? What class do you feel like was missing in your program?
0: Uh, Business. I'm going to go with just knowing more about the world of, especially, let's just say, call it theater for now. The world of theater. Like know what, if you want to be part of a union, know what your union does. Know that it's your union. Know what the rules are. Know how you can look things up. Know what it means, what weekly grosses are. Just, I feel like there uh, a lot of people are really ill-informed about all the business end of our business, and I Mm -hmm. think it would help people. It would also help people stress out a little less if they kind of have the information, I think. I've always been extremely intrigued about that. I do a Broadway show. I look at those numbers every week. I want to see the facts so I know how healthy the show is, if the show's going to close. It's really interesting to me. And Mm -hmm. additionally... Um, I think they could go farther in, in, into you know how it all works in terms of casting and how does casting bring you in. So many times students will email me once college is over and they'll say I, I have to get an agent. And I'm, the conversation I always have is maybe just get to know the casting directors. But they there there seems to be a disconnect with some of them that that might be a better or a better, a a stronger path, because those little things like, you get an agent, but how are they going to get you in the room still? Because there are still Mm -hmm. 80 people that they love that have agents that get you in the room. There are just a lot of things Mm -hmm. that I think would be helpful for them to learn. That's what I
1: think. It's it's so true. And it's a a common answer. And and I do think many people graduate, even so today, with, with programs that are really trying to add that emphasis for themselves you graduate and it just feels like a mystery. I remember that feeling really so strongly of like, it's a big, ca- there's a industry out there, you know, and so you kind of don't know how it all works and where do you go first? And, you know, I always feel like any submission just went into the void and was swallowed up and you're like, okay, well, what happens then? Where does it go? And, you know, all those kind of things, I think. And then maybe there's really also, confused.
0: Charlie, a bit of, maybe there's also a bit of, you have to go through it to figure it out. Yeah. No matter yeah. how much you teach someone it, you kind of have to just go through it.
1: Well, let's talk about that that time in your life. So now you're you're twenty two, you just graduated, you're you're dancing like a fiend or moving like a <laughs> I fiend. Sure I sure am. Say. Um, how did you navigate that time? So what was the next couple of years like for you as you were so especially, you know, the resources you had from school, um, and then the resources that you added with acting class and stuff, what was the what were those couple of years like for you?
0: Great. Um I first of all, I was very lucky because I moved home with my parents who lived fifty minute fifty minutes outside of the city. Um, But I only did that for a little while and I worked at like a cheesecake factory or something. I don't remember what it was, but I did Mm -hmm. some restaurant work. And then I couldn't wait. I got my first apartment in some crazy person's house, like a a room in a house on the Upper West Side. I couldn't wait to move out, which of course, that's what we're all, you know, we just want to move out. Um, but I didn't, you know, I was a slow cooker. So for me, my first Broadway show was when I was in my 30s. So those first two years where I worked at the Blarney Rock Pub on 42nd Street, which I have mm. such a, a, a fond, fond memories of, um, I I was the person who, I lived the dream. I worked at the Blarney Rock till midnight. I took the train home to Queens and I got up at five in the morning to wait online for auditions, um, for non-equity auditions at first. And then I'd sometimes wait for equity auditions, even though I was non-union, and wait for literally till 6 PM and they wouldn't take mm. me. I did all that stuff so much so that when I look back on it and I go, how did I do that? Uh-huh. I could never do that now, but that's what you do when you're in your twenties. Uh-huh. And I don't remember complaining about it at all. I think it was just, that was what it was. There would be uh-huh. times I'd be waiting outside the equity building and my dad who, who, who worked down the block would drive past me and be like, hi honey. I just kind of say, checking in, say <laughs> hi to me. <laughs> They'd come to the bar to make sure I was not dead. They were mm-hmm. very worried about me working on 42nd between 9th and 10th, 8th and 9th. Um, yeah. So I was doing that, like whatever I could do, I would, was an assistant stage manager in an off, you know, off, off, off Broadway situation. And mm-hmm. we're always waitressing at the same time. So yeah, I that's that's what my first two years were like. And all that, that training I had was great, but I, I will say that I kept up. I danced all the time. And I I didn't take voice lessons because I couldn't afford that. But I did a lot of coaching of songs and kept making Mm -hmm. sure my book was good. So when I went to these open calls, I was ready to go. Um, But yeah, it was definitely tough, but less tough because I had family close by. And also, I had an amazing community of friends. And I think that is honestly what it's all about.
1: Community of friends from school, like a lot of former classmates?
0: Uh, Interestingly enough, some some from school and some from Summerstock. I had done summer stock the year or two before. So that is the biggest takeaway I've had from everything is you have to have your community. So that I helps. Love that word. That helps a lot. Love that word lot.
1: community. Yep. Um, how do you, here's a, an impossible question to answer. How do you imagine your career or your life would have been different? Let's imagine you at 22 having graduated from a BA. Let's say you got a BA in theater or BA in something else. And then you moved to the city. How might it have been different for you? How, how do you feel like the specific BFA training you got? Was able to impact those early twenty years for
0: you. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say two things. One is the dance background, which was very important to me in my twenties because I was auditioning for a lot of shows where I was going to be in the ensemble and understudy a role. Mm -hmm. And so those are hard jobs. You have to be able, you have to have the chops to act older than yourself. Generally, for me, so I'm acting, Mm -hmm. I'm understudying someone twenty years older than me, Mm -hmm. and you have to really be able to move or dance in a show. Um, so having that dance training was just uh, enormous. Um, the voice training, I, my recollection was I didn't have, I had some voice training once a week, but I didn't have, I didn't feel like the most, uh, I was never a singer who could hit a high C. I was always just a, a, a decent singer who could belt really well, but that was not my thing. Um, so I think the training was the dance was the biggest thing, difference between a BA and BFA, um. I had obviously a lot of acting training, but it was also the discipline I think. Of just knowing how to I was very disciplined forever where I'd get up every day even though I didn't have anything on the books, I would press my, you know, tape recorder, press play and I would <laughs> sing all my songs <laughs> at least 3 times a week. I was so disciplined. I every day I took out that tape and every day I did a warm up and I sang through my songs and I read plays. So I was Pretty good at keeping my keeping moving. And I don't know, I feel like it's a little bit because of the rigorous schedule of the BFA. Um, so maybe that is also something that helped. And also just being able to I feel like with the BFA, you dip your toes in a million things. And I did, and I got good at a lot of things. But until I left college, I didn't get better at the acting. I'm going to say that mm-hmm. truthfully is mm-hmm. there's only so much time in a day. So that's why when I left school, I went back into acting class because I wanted to get really good at that. And I didn't have enough time in college to, I don't think anyone does. You, you can always, you, there's always room for improvement, but that's what I focused on when I got out of college because it was important to me.
1: I love that. I, I also really believe this is maybe a, a, a just personal um, belief, but that acting training kind of finds you when you're ready for it in terms of like, it is something that some people at 18 can like do it, can really do high level. And some people are like, I'm just not mature enough yet with the full person that I'm going to become. To be ready for that intensive, reflective training, you know, when you're when you're going for something that's beyond just like elocution, you know, it's like it is such a um, personal, almost it's like mirrors therapy at times in terms of some of the ways that the vulnerability and the places you have to explore. And I feel like that's not not everyone's ready to do that at seventeen. I years totally
0: old agree, and I think that I've of, I've often said that I wouldn't have been ready to play a, a a leading role in a in a Broadway show at that young age. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it when I was doing Millie and Sutton with having to. Put that on her shoulders at twenty-five. I couldn't have done it. So okay. I. So everybody's ready at a different time. It's really a good, good, good to reflect on that and know that it doesn't mean you're less than. It just means you're not. That's not your time yet.
1: Mm-hmm. I also really want to just comment on your ability to structure your life. I think that's something that so many of our young um, graduates really struggle with. Is the the morass of graduating from college and being able to go, well, now I don't have anywhere to be. And so what does that mean? What and how does my life? continue to have some kind of structure in it when I don't have class at 8 a.m. and this is the next thing at 10 a.m., you know, that I think people who are able to do that for themselves and create a structure for themselves end up being much happier, healthier artists because we have such a loose structure when we, you know, it's maybe an audition this week, and then what else? You know, it's like, how do you do that for yourself to, to create that structure?
0: I have to say, I had this incredible teacher, Bob Lieberker in school, who I loved so much, and he taught me the word compartmentalize. And that was a huge thing for me. So I I think that's a huge thing for everybody graduating is how do you, I just want to go to bed at night and think I've done everything I could today. Mm. I mean, you're you're never going to do everything you can, but if you you feel like you practiced your voice, you read about the world, you maybe you read a little history that you didn't know, you know, you played guitar, you read a play, whatever it is that are the things that you want to do. And then at night you go, wow, I didn't have an audition, but I got all this done. I sleep better. I go, wow, mm-hmm. I, I, I actually kept it going. But in this pandemic, it was much harder to do that because there was cool. no audition the next day. Usually I can do that because I'm thinking, what if someone calls me the next morning? So that was the difference here. But yes, I think structure is a huge thing and I love helping people with that.
1: I love that. Um, what about you? You talked a couple of different ways about post-college, how you've been able to continue your education. Is there anything you're doing now? Are you, are you learning new skills or adding anything into the, the book for yourself now?
0: Definitely. Um, I will say that when I was working on Sing Street, uh, although I play piano pretty well, I've never been a good chord reader. So Mm -hmm. my goal was when we go back to be able to look at chords really quickly and do that because I know that I'm better at assignments, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If I'm in a show, Uh if I know that I have to do that Irish accent, I'm going to get on it and I'm going to work really hard, but I'm not going to on my own time going, you know what, today would be a good day for Ireland. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a little lazy like that. It's, I think most people are. It's hard. But when you have the assignment of, I have to get ready for this thing coming up, I've yeah. always been someone who, you know, oh, a check accent. I can't wait. Let's dig into it and let's do that. Um, so I, I would say that the pandemic, I found it hard to not just be a little bit complacent. I have a guitar sitting here and I will admittedly say that I have picked it up once and I in- intended on becoming um, an amazing guitarist in the <laughs> 15 months. But I think... You know, I, I, I humbly say that it was de- a pr- depressing time and I just didn't get to it. Um, so, yeah, but, but yeah. generally speaking, yes, I, I always, whatever's coming up, I want to get better. I, I did get very good at self-tapes. That's the one thing that I did yeah. learn in the pandemic is how do you c- work with iMovie and make it work and also make it work with being single. I don't have someone reading with me. I had to have my friends zoom in and that was a great skill to learn. Oh, I love that.
1: Yeah, I, I think we've said it before, but I think we can't say it too many times. The the pressure of the pandemic for anyone who feels like I was not productive enough, that cannot be true. In terms of if you've sur- if you survived the pandemic, you're productive enough in in so many ways, and, and that so many people will talk about. You know, I often use Elizabeth as an example because she she'd be like, "I was so unproductive. I was so artistically, I didn't do anything." And be like, "Look at all these amazing things that you've done in this pandemic, and look at all the amazing things that happened." But it just feels like. We're supposed to write the great American novel or we're supposed to, you know, learn to speak Chinese or whatever the thing that, you know, and it's like, maybe we're just surviving a global pandemic. I
0: really admire those people who did it, but it's tough. I mean, she's giving you a baby.
1: Giving it to me? (laughs) We don't know about that. I don't know about that. I mean, literally producing. That's productive if if I've ever heard of it. Reproductive. Um, Anyway, let's do our Coach Corner, our first ever inaugural Coach Corner. Um, We'll talk a little bit about your experience coaching in the world. As we said, you are our very first MPCA coach on the pod, though not the last. I've said that and it's true. Um, I'd love to kind of know from your experience working in this process, I'm going to say for over 10 years to leave your age ambiguous so you can be more specific if you want. um, What's one thing that sort of surprised you? What do you you feel like you've learned um, from doing this process that, you know, was surprising?
0: Well, I also, I want to say that um, I think that I've become a much better actor and performer since I started coaching. Because I do find that so much of what I preach and what I talk about, I was kind of reflecting in my own life and thinking, maybe I don't always do that and I should. A lot of people say that, a lot of coaches say that, that they they actually become better because of the, the teaching. I think what I was surprised at is how many young people are extremely passionate about doing musical theater mm-hmm. um, and willing to put the work in. and have a great knowledge of musicals and plays and it's really a a beautiful thing to be around that energy to remind Mm -hmm. you also about how special it is so Mm -hmm. I think it's easy sometimes to be to get a little jaded as you get older Mm -hmm. and to get a little like I've done all this and you know here are the problems with it and then you see these bright shiny faces who just want to do it so badly and that's exciting to me. It makes me okay. feel really good to get off a phone call with someone and think, oh, my gosh, they're so excited and they're talented and there's so much passion, yeah. especially in this day and age where everybody's stuck on their phone and, and mm-hmm. doesn't look up. That, that part of it is really great
1: to see. I definitely will confess to having drafted off our students. Sometimes I call it drafting them in terms of like, man, I'm really using their energy to kind of propel me forward. I'm out, but I'm using yours. I love that you guys still got the passion and letting that revitalize my own excitement or my own.
0: Excitement. Exactly. Exactly.
1: What about, what's something you feel like you've learned from your students? What's something that you go, Oh my gosh, in, in working with you, I, I, I now feel like I know more about this. I know now feel like I've learned
0: I think that they are much more in tune politically and, um, spiritually and, uh, I just was not, when I was their age, I did not know well, I don't think I voted for a really long time. Put it that way. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. I just wasn't into it. And, and okay. I, I was into singing and dancing and acting. <laughs> and now when you're 17 years old, you know, what's going on. They are really uh-huh. invested in, in a lot of them are really invested in the political atmosphere they, they were invested in the BLM movement. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just more aware and they're braver in terms of using their voice. Maybe sometimes, more than I would like. And I say that mm-hmm. because I think because of social media, everybody feels like they're allowed to say anything at any time, at any cost. And sometimes mm-hmm. I do think sleeping on it might not be the worst idea before you speak. But in general, I admire their bravery and I admire that they're um, aware and they've had to be because they've, they're being handed a lot of crap, to be honest.
1: Well, yeah. And I do think that they grew up in a world where singing, dancing and acting is not divorced from a political conversation, right? That's right, that's right. In some ways their art is, you know, even if it's not directly political, that it is in some ways those two things are combined. It's about the world around us that hopefully it feels like that's what art that is being created a lot.
0: And in a way, what's interesting is it's it's the anomaly when someone isn't. So when I was growing up, I would say that everybody was more like me. And Uh, now I'm surprised when someone isn't involved. So that's an interesting thing to me, it's exciting.
1: Um, what is something that you, if you could go back, especially to your first couple years of coaching, if you can remember, um, what's something you would go back and like coach yourself to do? If you could talk to your younger coach and be like, and do more of this and less of this.
0: If I could go back, I would say, be confident in what you know, because you know a lot. Mm. And I think at the very beginning, I was a little skittish and not sure. Like I kind of knew what I was doing, but I was like, "Oh, I hope that this is the right thing. And now I feel so confident. So it's about believing that you have, you really have all the information or a lot of information to give someone and um, and to not be shy about it and and the other thing is to lead more i think that mm-hmm. i let <laughs> I let students talk a lot back then i don't mean i don't <laughs> let them talk now but now i maybe i will say let me tell you what i think will be helpful in a uh, in a more in a braver way totally cuz i think they want guidance
1: they want guidance and in some ways you're actually making it less about yourself if you don't like apologize for the note. Sometimes I'll watch young coaches be like, but if you think this is good, or actually it's fine if you want. And you're like, just, you can just give the note. They're, they're coming That's to be right. trusted. trust I agree, you.
0: Charlie, completely.
1: Um, okay, fun section. Our second rapid fire, though it doesn't, it's not going to be as rapid. Um, what song would you give to me if I were doing college editions now?
0: I would give you The Night That Goldman Spoke at Union Square. Aww. Because you have that passion and you're just like, look at you just, just eager and blonde and i think he would be great at singing that song don't you think megan yeah charlie's just looking to round out his book during this process yeah
1: i'm just trying to get some free advice if that's possible you know. <laughs> what does the l stand for leslie and that's okay going public you're willing to admit to that here today yeah
0: the only reason why i uh well i think i was going to be ann nathan but someone there was already an Aunt nathan in equity mm-hmm. but i don't have a problem with Leslie. And Leslie
1: Nathan. Love it. love it. Love it as a name. Well, breaking news on this pod, or maybe not breaking news. <laughs> um, okay, just a couple more questions in wrap-up uh, contemplation here. Uh, we talked a little bit about it, but how do you sort of feel, as we, we all are feeling the real shift of the industry in this year of 2021, um, and how do you sort of feel the industry shifting? Where do you think it's going? Um, I'd love to just hear a little bit about you know what you think 10 years from now, what kind of industry are we looking at?
0: Wow. Um Well, I will say that I, I feel like I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. It's the first time I've ever felt like, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. It seems like so much is up in the air. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm thrilled to see that Broadway shows have their dates, but again, Mm -hmm. let's see what happens. We're all hoping for the best. I hope we have tourists in the city and I hope that people keep getting vaccinated and all these things, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think the business is, is. In, I'm going to just go with theater right now. There's mm-hmm. a really big difference between Broadway and off-Broadway and regional. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of different things. So I have been very fortunate that I've worked a lot in the Broadway um, world. And to be honest, I've been really happy there.
1: Mm-hmm. I've been
0: maybe a little blind to things, or maybe it's a little bit an age thing, because I was always taught, shut your mouth, mm-hmm. pull up your bootstraps, and just don't complain. That's just how we were taught to be. So when someone is abusive in a room, you just you hold back the tears, and then you go home and you call your friend. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just what it was or what it is. So I think there's going to have to be a compromise because there are some people who want to burn it burn it down, mm-hmm. and then there are some people who want it to be exactly what it was.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think there has to be a middle ground of how can we be kinder to each other? How can we be have be be more inclusive in all ways. Mm-hmm. How can we um, how can we have an, a business that also uh, allows people who don't have a lot of money to see shows? Mm-hmm. But but this is also dependent on government subsidies, and it's dependent on produ- uh theater owners not charging an exorbitant amount of rent on Broadway. There are so many things that have to have to be right. So I'd like to see things get better, but I also don't want to th- see it just cut off because, frankly, selfishly, I need a job selfishly, Mm -hmm. I need to work. I need Mm -hmm. to pay my rent. I need to get health insurance. These are big, big issues. Our health insurance is tied to work, which I wish it wasn't, but it is right now. So I'd like to see, I'm going to say both sides of this issue, because there are people on both sides that feel really strongly on each side, find a way to get more in the middle, because I think it's the only way forward, frankly.
1: It's very, very well said. I mean, and it feels like even when you say both sides, it's like there's actually like 300 sides. Yeah, there are 300 sides. Absolutely.
0: There's like, but there are people who are like, I don't want any change. I like the way it was. And then there are people who are really angry and want to see, you know, the unions go away and it burned down. And I definitely don't want to see that happen. But I also am very happy to embrace change that is for the better.
1: Yeah. And and it is very difficult to to your point of what's going to happen. It's very difficult to picture an envelope that satisfies all of those different sides and all those different people, right? You go, I don't quite see what would work right now. That's going to meet this and this and what the producers need and what the directors want and what the actors want, and what the backstage people want. You know, it's just, it seems. Um, it's
0: a little bit like if you look at a presidential election and people who were really responsive to Bernie and then begrudgingly voting for Biden, but now kind of going, well, he's pretty good. Mm. It's not exactly what I wanted, but there's a lot of good too.
1: Well, let's let's hope we can make that kind of compromise or that kind of c- clean solution. Let's, you know, that'd be great. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, if you could go back and talk to, let's say, a sixteen, seventeen-year-old who's starting this process, is there like a piece of advice that you would want to give to them?
0: Yes, I think it would be to have great community around you more than anything. Because when I th- when I look back and I think of how hard this industry is and how many times you get rejected. But if you get rejected and then you get to call your friends and you get to go have a meal or have a drink or watch TV together and they remind you that you're fantastic and that you're going to get there and hold on, or they just let you cry. And then you move on to, I had an acting class where um, whenever any of us got an audition, we rallied. We all went to the person's house and helped them get the job. Um, and then also it it helps you branch out and you meet more and more people and you know, that's how you get a job. I cannot Mm -hmm. tell you how many times someone has called me and said, we need someone for blah, blah, blah. And I'll go, oh my gosh, I have this person that I worked with, this young person and they're so fantastic and they're so warm in the room and they've got a great voice. You just have to get to know a lot of people. So that's why I say, I think community is really important for your mental health, but also, uh, because you need to get inside these places and the only way to do it is to get to know more and more people and not necessarily by just mailing your picture and resume. So that's a big thing. I, I mean, there are so many things, but that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, the the idea of community.
1: I love it. It's great advice. Um, and is, thank you so much for coming on the pod today. Is there anything you need to plug anything we need to tell our listeners about of where to hear you find you?
0: Yes, I will plug, um, the sing street cast recording. Mm. Mm. It's so good, everyone. I'm so proud of it. And I think that it got a little lost in the shuffle when it came out, but I highly recommend it. It's very hip and very good.
1: Love it. And we can follow you, I know, at at Ann L. Nathan. Don't try to type in at Ann Leslie Nathan. It won't get you anywhere. But type in at Ann L. -L Nathan on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. And we'll put the Sing Street info in the episode notes as well if anyone wants to find that and listen to the excellent Sing Street recording. Thank you. Anne, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure having you on today.
0: So honored. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Megan.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed talking to Anne as much as Megan and I did. Megan was glowing the entire time listening to her former song coach talk. Um, I just want to do a little takeaway, a little um, deeper dive on something that Anne and I talked about in terms of like the mystery of the business um maybe the amount of of knowledge that people graduate from school in terms of knowing the business that's come up a couple times already and i know it'll come up more at something you'll hear a lot of actors say man i wish my program had prepared me better for this um and i think it is of course really smart advice and it's really true that a lot of 22 year olds come and go oh, Oh my gosh i i learned how to act and sing and dance but man i need some help with the getting an agent and casting directors and how to do a self-tape and what's an equity and a non-equity call right Um, and some of that stuff schools certainly are getting better at teaching you i do think in fairness to some of these programs This is an enormous field when you talk about the entertainment industry, which is what you're graduating into and all the diverse um, things that different actors will do from different programs. Um, And there are so many kind of different versions of the business. Uh, Part of our goal on this podcast actually is going to be to try to highlight some different paths to success. Um, But I think it's important to realize that each path is very different in how it happens. And so really in looking at someone else's path, you're not necessarily trying to replicate it, but trying to understand, okay, here are the different choices, maybe at different times as I kind of um, forge my own path. Some people will get agents right out of college, maybe right out of a showcase, and that is their agent for years. That does happen to some people. Some might get an agent, and then they switch after a year. They may get dropped, or they may decide, this is not who I want. I actually want to go over here. Um, Many will start off unrepresented, and then they may find a rep through that community Anne was talking about, right? So maybe they have a friend, or they do a show with someone, and they go, you're great. You should meet my agent. And then maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe that has to happen three times before you end up with an agent who actually uh, um, is going to work with you. Um, there isn't a right way to do it, and I think because of the kind of ever-shifting landscape of exactly how agents and managers and casting directors might interact at any given time in any given segment of the business, it can be pretty difficult to learn it all. You know, especially like Anne was talking about some of the bonus points stuff of the business of like, do you understand the gross receipts of your Broadway show and what the role of a producer is in negotiation? Whew, you know, some of that is stuff that agents and managers certainly can do for you, but as an actor, you want to be equipped with that information it's a lot. Um, I also think it's worth noting there really are those multiple businesses within the business. So as Anne also alluded to that, you know, some casting directors might do a lot of Broadway. Others might do more TV and film. Maybe some are really off Broadway. Some do lots of musical theater. Some do more straight plays. Some have lots of overlap. Some don't have a lot of overlap with that. And then you add in stuff like, commercials and voiceovers, industrials, video games, um, virtual reality, it's all coming, you know, all that crazy stuff where some people may be really specialized within that, where you go, I just meet this person for Commercial comedic auditions, and that's where I go to this, you know, because they do tons of that. Right, it can get really specific in terms of what someone specializes in. So, I guess my advice to you in this little two-minute segment of our, our takeaways is to maybe give yourself a bit of a grace period if you're a, a young actor and it feels overwhelming. You're not wrong; it is overwhelming. If you're especially if you're still in school, but even if you're a couple of years out of school, to go, I feel like I still don't get it all give yourself a little grace, take a little breath. You know, I would say eat that elephant one chunk at a time, right? It's a lot to, to take in and learn what you can learn over time. Some of it you're going to learn only from experiencing yourself. And sometimes it's because your unique path and the way that you're forging opportunities is only being presented to you in the order that it it is for you and for other people to go, that's not how it worked for me. I had this happen and then this happened. And then that brought me to this, right? There's so many different ways to get to the place that you want to get to. And of course, we're not all trying to go to the same place. So a little bit of grace can't hurt us um, as we listen to this podcast on a Wednesday, I'm sure. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more of me rambling, please hit that subscribe button, follow us, rate us, review us. We think five stars if you think we're champions, or if you think we suck, maybe five stars because you personally believe in participation trophies. It would be great. You can also reach out to us with questions for our mailbag at mailbag at com. If you're interested in working with MTCA for help with your individual preparation for your college audition journey, please check us out at mtcollegeauditions.com. To my young artists out there mapping their journey, do not fear your internal Leslie. I'll see you next week.